Welcome to Coffee Table Mythos. I'm Eliza. And I'm Leah. Grab your favorite beverage and let's talk myths. So, what do you got today? <laughs> you know what? No. What do you have today? Okay. Today, <laughs> I've got uh, Colombe, La Colombe Coffee Draft Latte Pumpkin Spice. So, this is what makes me a little upset. I ordered this online originally because mm-hmm. I was like, they're not going to bring this into the stores like I was expecting. Because they already had the chocolate milk one that they came out with. Mm-hmm. And I order it on sale, and of course, as soon as I have a four-pack, they're offering it everywhere else, and I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know how much against the Dunkin' Donuts version of pumpkin spice I am right now? It's not to, like, bash on Dunkin'. Dunkin' has good stuff, but their pumpkin spice is subpar this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is they did with the mixture or what, but it tastes nasty, and I've tried multiple stores, and none of them taste good. The pumpkin cold brew from Starbucks. Mwah. Chef's kiss. This one's like that happy in between. It's not bad. It's not wow. It's it's like I don't. So it's not as amazing as their caramel one. No, their caramel is still like top notch. Okay. In comparison, but I mean it's not bad. Like you can at least drink it and it doesn't go to waste. Exactly. I don't feel like I'm upset about it. All right. Cool. Do you want to tell them what I'm drinking since uh, you made it? <laughs> sure. Your drink. Well, I already had like half a cup of this this morning. Um, it's Folgers, Tres Leches, Duncan, and maybe a little bit of the Boonsboro coffee still. And then you've got that butterscotch creamer. Actually, I used the vanilla creamer because I have a little bit of a cold. If you guys can tell, we got our flu shots, and I have a really awful immune system. <laughs> so anytime anything is introduced to my body that it doesn't like, the next germ I come in contact with, I get. <laughs> so got a little bit of a cold going on, and when I drank the butterscotch creamer yesterday that I was like so excited about, it tasted so weird. And I'm not sure if it's because of the cold. Or because of it being a different flavor. Okay. So I went with the, the vanilla one because I can at least tell my mind, even though it doesn't taste right, it's just because you're sick. It doesn't actually taste bad. Well, it's kind of like how you were saying, like, yesterday the egg sandwich I made for you wasn't quite tasting right either, wasn't that? Right. Yeah. Literally nothing I ate yesterday tasted right. Yeah. <laughs> I think we did also go to Arby's and you were like, didn't wasn't the Arby's sandwich okay? It was okay, but not as good as I remember. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Bunny hole. Sorry. So anyway, <laughs> I'm drinking that out of my giant fox head mug. I don't know who keeps getting me fox mugs. I don't like foxes. Huh. That's a myth. I love foxes. <laughs> so got our coffee and we're going to start this week, which is Norse week. Yes. So this week we're going to have Leah do the festival part. I tried doing it, and I was like, I don't feel like this is enough information. But I ended up taking on a bit of a project with a listener request. She sicked me on the festival because I can find things on the internet. She found more than I did, that's for sure. All right, so since we're doing the festivals, I looked up 
you're just gonna have to forgive me on this because <laughs> I could not find anyone actually saying this for the pronunciation so I had to like glue the pronunciation of the different letters together so it's spelled v-e-t-r-n-a-e a and the e squished together t-r and I believe it's pronounced Wetterneiter. And it means literally winter nights, so people usually just call it winter nights. And that's what I'm going to do the rest of this, because it's a little hard <laughs> on, your... <laughs> on me right now. <laughs> so, winter nights was held sometime in October when they were near the proper lunar cycle, because their months were more based on lunar cycles than, what we ha than the Gregorian calendar that we use now. Okay. And also when weather permitted. Because the reason it was called Winter Nights was they basically had two seasons, winter and summer. Mm. So this was the very end of summer, the last harvest, and then after this began the season of winter. Winter Nights was one of three important festivals throughout the year. They would leave the last bit of harvest in the field as blut, which is sacrifice, to possibly Othin and or his wild hunt. Now... As we're learning more things, I'm going to try to use the original pronunciation for names. So, Odin is spelled O, the D that curls with the line through it, I-N-N, -N, that is pronounced Othin, with a T-H. It is said that Othin's wild hunt runs at night from winter nights to Valpurgisnacht, and roads and fields are no longer belong to humans during this time. Blut was made to the elves, the Desir, or Frere. Much like sowing, animals that wouldn't survive the winter would be slaughtered and prepped to last as food. But we don't have a lot of information because during Christianization we lost it. But it is likely that there were differences across celebrations depending on where you were geographically. So much has been lost in the way of information for how they used to celebrate winter nights, but we can take a look at modern practitioners and see how they honor the changing of the seasons. So, some modern practitioners celebrate on October 31st, some celebrate from October 29th to November 2nd, and based on lunar cycles, it could be between October 19th and the 26th, and some celebrate on the weekend nearest these dates so that they have time off from work. Luckily, it's weekend time, kind of. Well, actually, I don't know, because when you say it's based on the lunar cycle, do you know if it's, like, the full moon, or...? I believe it is based on the full moons, but because October has two of them this year, I'm not sure if it's the harvest one that was a couple days ago, or... The full moon the, that's on the 31st. The one at the end, yeah. Okay. So, a large part of winter night festivities include remembering one's ancestors. Many do divinations to get information on the coming year, and it is a time of contemplation as we turn our attention inward. It also marked the start of more indoor work and craftsmanship. As a way to honor one's beloved dead, some modern Norse heathens cook recipes passed down by their families or their ancestors' favorite dishes. Then they share stories about their family. Many also include rounds of ale or mead, not only for the living guests, but also for their ancestors, gods, desir, and elves, depending on their practice, and even other Norse gods that a practitioner may have dedicated to. 
For those who farm, a portion of one's harvest would be given as offering. For those who don't, offerings that are purchased will also suffice. The offerings were done as thanks for the previous year and petition for favorable winters. Even though this festival happens near Samhain and Halloween, it doesn't have many of the dark focuses that those holidays have, like scaring off witches and bad spirits. All of that happens during Valsburgersnot, which is six months later when it's actually the turn from winter into spring. They have boisterous celebrations to banish the bad and welcome in the summer. Well, that was a pretty awesome bit. Mm -hmm. So I actually was on a couple people's like personal blogs and what some of them will do is have like potlucks. Oh, that sounds good. And they get dressed up in like traditional garb which was really cool to look at. And then the potluck, everyone's stuff that they bring are like, oh, well, this was grandma's favorite soup, or this was dad's favorite meat dish, or, you know, this was my sister's favorite dessert. And then they're like, oh, do you remember that time? And it's just like a lot of um, talking about their family and memories and stuff. And it seems like really nice. I don't know if Americans really have a remember your ancestors kind of not holiday i mean like the closest you're gonna get is fourth of july but like that's not our actual ancestors no like the forefathers that signed in the declaration of independence and all that but like yeah we don't really have one of those no we have a shame we have a happy thanksgiving which is not like the greatest historical remembrance the food's great though and usually that's where the family gets together and kind of, like, gives thanks for everything they've got and all that. But, like, when you're talking about thinking about meals your family loved, eating mm-hmm. and stuff like that, I think of the types of meals that I remember them making. Like, mm-hmm. great-grandma used to make a really good banana cream pie. But it's funny because some of the old recipes my family's like, oh, it's been in the family for generations. Actually, they got it from, like, a church recipe book. It was in somebody else's family. It was in family somebody else's family. <laughs> and they, like, put it in the book, and the family's like, oh, this is great. This is ours now. <laughs> I was like, okay. We were actually not in the context of, like, sitting down, having dinner, and remembering our ancestors, but I was remembering with my mother, her mother, who passed away in 2017, a couple days ago. And we were saying, <clears throat> my mom, who I love dearly, has a lot of health problems, but she also doesn't like to rest because she feels like she's not doing enough things. And (laughs) I told her if she didn't behave herself, her mom, who we call Grandma Rue, because her name was Ruth, Grandma Rue, as a spirit, was going to come down and smack her upside the head if she didn't behave herself. And my mom was like, you know, I was actually smelling cigarette smoke the other day (laughs) when I wasn't near anything that should smell like that. And I was like, see, because Grandma Ruth smoked so much. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, you better watch yourself because she's watching you. And if you keep misbehaving, whap upside the head. That's what I'm just saying. (laughs) Sorry. That's funny. One of my grandmas died in August. And, like, every time, I've had actually, I've experienced how many deaths this year? Five? Yeah. Five. Every time someone's died, I end up talking to, I think it's, like, my sister, about those people because I experienced those things, those Mm -hmm. memories with her. Right. So, we end up having good 
party discussions about family. Like, for example, my um, my second cousin died in Ohio, and he was, like, a little younger than us, I think. And it was a very sudden, sudden thing, and he had two young boys. So, like, it was a, it was pretty sad when it happened. So, like, talking to my sister a little bit about that whole thing was actually really good. And then when my grandma died, talking to her about that, too, was, like, also very helpful. Like, talking to somebody about the good memories helps with that, I think. Which is a shame that we don't have a fest or a holiday that's like that, so we could... I think it helps with the grieving process. Yeah, Yeah, it really does. Because it's like, I know that people do things in their lives that are not great. Like, everyone has their their bad things that happen. Mm -hmm. But I've come to realize that when someone dies, like, unless they've done a lot of terrible, terrible things, generally people like to remember the dead by what they did do that were that were good things mm-hmm. generally I'm saying generally because there are some exceptions to that rule <laughs> we should do that we should make a holiday i was just thinking I was like, it's like oh, we should well, do- hmm, i wonder what time of year we need to have a family dinner where we do that the, yeah like i don't know what time of year that needs to happen but i feel like that just needs to to happen i i need that in my life now cuz i didn't realize that was going to be a necessity before Uh, All right, on everybody's to-do list that lives in America, because I know other countries have much better holidays than us. Yeah. (laughs) You guys get a pass. Everybody in America, it's your job to take this to your family, make a new holiday where your family members, your loved ones that have passed. (laughs) That's your homework. (laughs) Yeah, because everybody's getting hit hard this year. Oh, God. Everyone. Like, every time I go on Facebook, I see someone's like, my grandma died yesterday. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, a lot of people are experiencing death and the loss of loved ones. And it's, it's sad. And I mean, I know it's the cycle of life and things happen, but at the same time, like, there, it's, there's a whole grieving process that needs to go through. Like, everyone needs to go through. Even if it's, like, to one person, it might not be much, like, of a grieving process for them. But for other people it can hit harder, Mm -hmm. depending on who you are. Like, it's very subjective on how, you know, things hit a person. And I say hit, that sounds, like, aggressive. But you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm sorry, we went on a huge tangent. No, it's fine. But the other thing is, while I was researching this, they were remembering people who had passed, but they weren't afraid of dying. Right. It was just a part of life. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't something that was scary or something that was, like, sudden. It was... That long ago, it was right around the corner for anybody. Right. So they had a much different outlook than how we look at it now. Yeah. Or at least Americans look at it. So that's Winter Nights. We're going to pause for a brief commercial break, and we will be back with the Jotuns. And we're back. Please keep that. Do not edit that out. (laughs) If you edit that out, I'll be very disappointed. You will remember. You don't remember all the things we say that I take out. You just hear the finished product and you're like, damn, that was a good recording episode. Hey, 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 hey. I'm I'm going to write a note. <laughs> don't write a note. <laughs> so before I start, I want to say thank you to our Instagram slash anchor FM follower, witchywolf890, for this request. What up? Thanks, lady. Yeah, we really appreciate this request. She requested that we talk about the ice giants of Asgard. 
Mm-hmm. Now, to talk about ice giants, there's like... I went into the deep, dark depths of the Norse mythology. Ice giants are actually called the Jotnar. Jotun for singular. Jotun translates to devourer. To call them giants is actually an anglicized version, Mm -hmm. which I did not know until literally this week. Um, There's a theory that they were basically the agents of chaos. Oh, so right up your alley. Oh, yeah. All about that. (laughs) Like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, these are my people. (laughs) Let's keep going. (laughs) Anyways. Okay. Jotun are an ambiguously defined entity. In contrast to the Aesir, dwarves, elves, etc., just because they're called giants in anglicized versions does not mean they are notably large. Right. And many range from being described as exceedingly beautiful to alarmingly grotesque. Many of the deities, including big-name Aesir, such as Odin and Thor, are descendants or closely related to the Jotnar from a biological standpoint. Mm-hmm. Strap on your boots, ladies and gentlemen, or whatever pronoun you desire, because I'm dipping into the creation myth. Bom, bom, bom. Bom, bom, bom. This trails back to the proto-being Ymir a primordial being born from venom that dripped from icy rivers and lived in a grassless void. Ymir produced beings from his armpit sweat, which produced the Jotun. Odin was a few generations from the first Jotun, but he and his siblings banded together to kill Ymir. Well, that's rude. What is with all the patricide in Uh, mythology? It's like everywhere, I swear. Okay, Jotun were not the only beings produced by Ymir, but when this death occurred, his blood flooded and killed all but one Jotun couple, Bergomir and his wife. I did not see his wife's name. And they fled to settle in what we call now Jotunheim, which all other Jotuns descended from. Parts of Amir were used to create the earth and other things like the sky and the mountains and all the things. There is debate on the Amir story, but we will get on that later. I wasn't trying to do the whole creation myth, but I had to dip into it just to explain what the Jotun were. Sounds good. The Jotnar served as main antagonists to the gods of Asgard. Now, many research sources I have looked at discuss that the Aesir, or gods, and the Jotun were not actually all that different in looks and abilities-wise. And they are more like two different families fighting one another, except it's a bit more complicated than that, because, like, brothers, sisters, the whole nines. Like, Lovers, yeah. It's, it's crazy. You think the Greeks are complicated? Just take a look at the, the Norse. Anyway, many famous Jotun make their way amongst the gods. For example, Loki does as he pleases, going in and out of Asgard. Contrary to popular belief, Loki is not Thor's brother. <laughs> I am sorry, Marvel fans. This is not that story. I did, however, find many accounts of hints that Odin and Loki conducted a blood brother ritual of some sort at one point, and there is no documented story on how that actually happened. It was in a poem, Mm -hmm. and it mentions it when Odin invites Loki to sit with them at a feast table with the other gods. Loki brings it up and is like, you made a promise. And Odin's like, fuck, fine, sit sit down, sit down. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Loki was the son of Farbati, who was a Jotun, and Lofi. There's there's a lot of theories on who Lofi was, like possibly a tree deity or something, but we're not really sure. There's no clear definition. 
He is characterized as a trickster that liked to cause trouble, but not out of malice. Mm -hmm. Much of the pre-Christian status of Loki is obscure. So most of what we know of Loki is after the Romans and the Christians came into play and started trying to write down some of the things that were happening. Right. And also as a note, Marvel swapped the names. So yeah. Rafi in Marvel was his father. Right. Lofi is actually his mother, and then Fogati is his, his actual dad. father. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Also, Thor is actually very much a descendant of the Jotun. He has a lot of Jotun blood in him. But despite his Jotun lineage, he was greatly feared by the Jotun, for Thor was known to actually go out and fight and kill them a lot. He also did have a Jotun lover, lover let's not forget that. A famous Jotun goddess, I'm going to pronounce it Skathi because of the way the D is. Correct. Uh, was associated with bow hunting, skiing, winter, and mountains. I wanted to note her because I loved her story. I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, my girl. Anyways, we're going to talk. She's the daughter of Thiazi, and the way that's spelled is all sorts of crazy. Okay, it's a thorn, J-A-Z-I. There we go. <laughs> Pronounced Thiazi. <laughs> Who was killed by the gods of Asgard after convincing slash manipulating Loki to help him steal the goddess... Oh, Ethun. Ethun, yes. Okay, I'm making sure I said it right. Ethun, <clears throat> who was responsible for the youth-bearing apples for the gods of Asgard. Yet we talked about them during the Norn episode. Yes. Okay, so, to make things more complicated, technically, Loki was both the reason Thiazi was able to take Ethun and why Thiazi was in the sky as a bird heading toward Asgard attempting to take Ethun back, leading to Thiazi's death. Loki was in bird form transporting Ethun back to Asgard. He went in and he, like, snatched her and mm -hmm. was like, oh, well, I gotta take you back because all the gods are getting older without your apples and we kind of need them back. Anyway, to be fair, Thiazi had originally manipulated Loki after Loki had become upset with Thiazi for taking a good chunk of a meal being shared between them and some others. But that is also another story. We're not going all into that. <laughs> Skathi got wind of this and was like, I'm getting vengeance for my pop. And she stormed into Asgard, basically ready to fight. She, like, put all of her armor on. She's like, bitch is gonna die today. Anyway, so she goes in, and the gods felt like, we're really sorry we killed your dad. How can we make it up to you? And they try to atone for her loss. They offer her compensation, and they agree to allow her to choose a husband from the gods in Asgard on the condition she do so by only looking at their feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know if she had a foot fetish or they were just doing that to try and trick her. I don't know. I don't know why that, that was done. She chooses what she hopes to be Baldur's feet because he's known to be gorgeous and beautiful. And the feet she chose were clean and beautiful in her eyes. But to her surprise, it's Njord's feet, the god of the sea. It happens. This leads to a not-so-happy marriage where Skadi refuses to sleep with Njord and she eventually ends up leaving him. Okay. Yep. Let's also discuss Mimir. Now, prior to the Vanir and Aesir War, Mimir was a Jotun that guarded a well in Jotunheim and was even the reason Odin gave up his eye so he could drink from the well and gain knowledge. During the war, however, Mimir was decapitated, so Odin took Mimir's head and embalmed it with herbs so it would not rot. 
and spoke charms over it, giving it the power to speak to Odin and reveal secrets. Odin is said to keep Mimir's head with him, and there is a theory that Mimir is actually Odin's uncle by lineage. Lovely. Yes. So, um, if you've all played God of War, the new one, they actually do a really good job at depicting Mimir's head as, like, preserved and talking and charmed and stuff. I thought it was really cool. Anyway, so this is where I'm going to stop talking about the Jotun, because there's really, literally so much material and lack of material. I say so much and so little, because deciphering and looking at all the different interpretations is just absolutely nuts. I actually spent a lot of mornings looking at different articles and books just trying to make sense of it all. And a lot of the hefty material out there, however how true to the Old Norse it was, is hard to determine considering the written works found don't start until way later. Right. These stories were originally all told in oral tradition. They didn't get written down until like way, way later after they already had started. So trying to figure out what exactly was meant by these things and how much that was written down was actually kind of spun a little bit differently than it was originally based on the person writing it down. It's up for debate. There are many theories out there on who is related to who and if even the written works we do have were influenced by other mythologies or spun by other mythologies with their interpretations. For example, one of the professors I was watching videos on was talking about how like the gods being the gods of certain things in the Norse mythology mm -hmm. wasn't originally that like that didn't come into play until the Romans came in we're like well it has to be the god of something so Thor's got to be like the god of thunder mm -hmm. but from what I what I saw in there he was saying that technically there's no actual mention of him being the god of thunder mm-hmm he has a hammer and he fucks shit up with it, but... So I found that very intriguing. But anywho, thank you so much, WitchyWolf890, for suggesting this topic. I had a lot of fun researching it, and I hope I met your expectations at some point. <laughs> I, like, I hope I didn't, like, ruin it <laughs> for, for that. I really tried. I tried hard. You know, being so new to these some of these mythologies, it's like... You really got a deep dive. I think I went and looked through four or five different books. And some of the books, like, that made me mad. Because, <laughs> let's just say, they definitely had opinions. As opposed to, like, this is what that could possibly have meant sort of deal. It was, like, it was more opinionated than, than anything else. But anywho. Reminders, everyone. Make sure to check out our art for this week's creature on our Instagram at Coffee Table Mythos. If you want to share any art of your own of these creatures, make sure to use our hashtag Coffee Table Mythos so we and our followers can check them out. As always, if you have any stories or requests, please email us at a coffeetablemythos at gmail.com and let us know if you want a shout out or if you would like to remain anonymous. You can also find us on our Facebook page, Coffee Table Mythos, and you can message us on here as well. Check out our merch on Teespring at teespring.com slash store slash coffee dash table dash mythos. We are adding more listings as we research more creatures and make more art. If you would like to donate to us, you can on anchor.fm slash coffee table mythos, or you can become a patron through patreon.com slash coffee table mythos. For right now, all donations will go to making this podcast better. Thank you so much for listening. Please give us a like, follow, subscribe, share, and review our podcast if you have the time. We are interested in what you have to say. 
This is Coffee Table Mythos. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.